Amen. Mirror, mirror. <laughs> Everybody knows the old uh, nursery rhyme, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all. So we're going to talk about looking into the mirror of the word today. What does the mirror of the word say to you when you look into it? Amen. The Bible says that the word is like a mirror. We look into it as in a glass and behold the image of Christ. But you also measure yourself in the mirror. You know, most of us, when we, there are times when we just want to walk by the mirror or put, you know, cover them all up in the house or something like that. <laughs> when we first got Coco, you couldn't, couldn't have a mirror around because she stood there and barked at whoever that was. Said to cover up the, all the mirrors in the house like you got a little vampire in there or something. And so we, made up our minds we just let her bark until she got comfortable with who she saw in the mirror but the mirror is always a reflection of ourselves man and what do you do when you look in the mirror you either approve or disapprove of what you see right amen most of us go into the mirror with the idea of improving ourselves after we come out of looking in the mirror amen Few of us are like the Fonz. Remember, he would pick up that mirror to comb his hair and just, I need to do nothing. Very few of us are like that. Amen. You go into the mirror. It seems like you can always make some improvement. If you stayed in there all day, you could improve on something. So most of us decide once you get the face on, you just drop it and move on and, and assume it's going to work out okay for you. You won't really scare anybody today. And so, but, but the mirror of God's word is what we want to conform to. And so I think what God is trying to do to us is get us more focused on the inward than the outward appearance. Amen. More focused on inward than outward. That doesn't mean that you let the outer go. Amen. I've tried that too. And sometimes I'll open the door for a delivery person. They just kind of look at me. I said, I said, it's bad, ain't it? I said, I'll do better next time. I didn't know y'all was coming. So, you know, usually I I keep the door closed. And we don't even get into all of that. So, uh, but, but God wants us more focused on the inward man. That's what he's got us uh, uh, training us to be more aware of our inward man, more appreciative of what he's done on the inside of us and is continuing to do. We are never done conforming to the image of Christ. Amen. And, and, and that should give us all encouragement, you know. And don't apologize for where you are in God. Just let that be between you and the Lord. Now, if you offend somebody, you know you apologize to people because you want to keep peace with people. You don't want people to be disturbed every time you come around. You know, that might be fun to your flesh for a little season, but after a while, that gets old, you know. You want to be a peaceful person. Want to be the kind of person that uh, exudes who God's character really is. God doesn't want to intimidate anybody or put anybody in fleshly fear about him or, or try to lord it all over people. God is a God of mercy, love. He's a God of judgment. But he wants so much to help us to live the good life and be who he created us to be and be comfortable in it. 
stress that with yourself. God wants you to be comfortable in being who he created you to be. At any given moment, at any given time, you should be 100% comfortable with who God created you to be. You should be. You know, if you have any concerns or any doubts, you talk it over with God. But make sure you get peace about what it is that you think you're so concerned over. Amen. And just allow God to have his way in your life. Allow God to help you. Allow God to minister truth to you. And then be obedient and carry that truth throughout your life. You know, get up and obey the word of God. Get up and do what God has told you to do. You know, quit cutting corners in your mind with why you can't obey God. You know, you can obey God. Amen. He's equipped you to do every good work. Every good work. And so he's got us on a path of good to do good all the days of our lives. So scripture tells us, we said this, the word is a mirror. The word of the Bible is a mirror because it is the original from which we are copied. So when you look into the word of God, you're looking at who the original author is. And then that person created you in his image. So that's God. He created you in the image. And so God is the original and we are the copy or the reflection, amen, of him. When Adam sinned, we had no mirror to look into and see who we are because of separation from God. God cannot look on sin. So he had to make a way for us sin to be atoned for. And then he could impart righteousness, impute his son's righteousness to us. And then he could have relationship with us again. He could look at us again. And from the spirit of his son that dwells in us. We are allowed then to to allow God to use that image of Christ within us. But it is us. Just another little reflection on the inside. You're still you. But you are now endowed with the spirit of Christ. And God begins the molding process to allow your parts to come together in righteousness. Flawless, sinless life, sinless motives, everything right. So there's nothing wrong with your inner man. There's nothing wrong with your inner man. There's nothing wrong with your inner man. And if we will reckon ourselves dead to sin, we could live more freely the life of the inner man. And allow God to be able to mold and shape that, you know, add more to it, strengthen it. Uh, um, uh, add add more substance, understanding, knowledge, truth, all of those things. He begins to endow us with greater and greater and greater as we reflect in the mirror. Just come to your Bible, look in the mirror of the word and say, God, what do you have for me today? If I can't figure out what that is, I'm just going to read until I get happy or read until, you know, you tell me I'm done. And then when you go away from the word, you start to think about what you read. The Holy Spirit will bring it to you. He'll begin to help you to meditate on it, make sense of it, incorporate it into your obedience to God so that you can go the right way in life. He's doing this all for us. He doesn't tell you not to sin because he don't want you to have fun. Huh? The Bible's full of people who sinned for a season and paid heavily for it. So we know sin might have pleasure to your flesh for a season. 
but your spirit man can't even get uh, get a word in edgewise for your flesh wanting to have fun all the time. You know, we need to learn how to do something enjoyable other than through the works of the flesh. We need to. Learn how to take the contentment, the joy that you feel during praise and worship in here. Learn how to take that with you throughout the day. Every day. Learn how to feel good when you hear an answer to prayer. Not because you prayed it. Because anybody who prayed it, if God's working and doing something good in somebody's life, we all feel good about those things. Let yourself feel good about something other than what's tangible. What you see, eat, can ask for. You'll frustrate your life terribly living from one good feeling to the next because of something material you have. The devil gets you on that trail and he'll start taking it back away from you. And as quickly as you got happy, you'll be sad again because there it goes. Something happened to it. It's the truth. This is true. For a child of God, we need to live more, much more out of our inner man. Now, don't get me wrong. My, my, my inner man enjoys pleasant things, pleasant surroundings. But that's not my life. I'm content. When my house is clean and orderly and all the nice things that I, I want to have there, I am content, but I ain't crazy. All right? I might get a little upset if it's something wrong, but I, I ask God immediately, how do I fix it and get it get so I can be content again? There's a difference between contentment and can't be happy unless I have certain things. You'll find that your inner man is not extreme in his emotions. Now, people make up this lie about, well, I'm just a, a righteous, I have a righteous anger. I said, no, that's your flesh. You check in with yourself for real and you'll find out that you ain't no righteous anger. Huh? You're not here to avenge the world. That's God's job. You ain't but so righteously angry. Amen. So God had to wear to separate from God because he can't look on sin. But he made a way immediately for us to get back to him. So God's mercy holds the mirror from us in its full impact. He don't throw the book at you. Huh? The Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. That's how your mind's renewed. So he stretches out your maturity on a lifelong scale. So you don't have to let anybody rush you into getting this flaw out of your character. Huh? Let them get some of the mold out they out about. The Bible speaks very plainly about that. You know, you go and accuse your brother or sister of being so wrong and so bad and so this and so that. God says, because you got a beam in your eye and they got a little speck in there. You picking at their little speck. How can you see how to get their speck out and you got the broadest beam in there? Amen. Why? Because you're trying to do God's job. He don't need nobody. Jesus is the head of the church yesterday, today, and forever. He don't need nobody to take his place. I know there are a lot of people that would want to sit on the throne, but he doesn't need anybody to take his place. (laughs) He's very capable of doing his job. Amen. So God's mercy withholds the mirror from us in its full impact. He wants to help us conform, not overwhelm us with our faults. 
once we are born again, we can look into the mirror and see who we really are and also have hope that we will measure up totally when we see where we're lacking. Hmm? Each time we quote unquote get into the word, we reflect on what it says to us. We need to, instead of speed reading and getting it over with, listen, I do it. So I'm guilty. I'm the first guilty soul. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, look how many chapters I got to do today. I'm a, that ain't no good. Didn't do me no good right there. So he says, even if we don't measure up, our inner man receives hope that we can conform through the transformation process. So if you look in the word, I know there are young people that think they can't quit lusting after other people. You know, the devil gets you out there and break an arm and a leg. You'll find out what you can quit doing. You know, you'll find out real quick. You get your mind on something else real quick when you can't do it. Uh (laughs) That's true. So even if we don't measure up, our inner man receives hope that we can conform through transformation. So be patient with yourself. Understand that when God points out something to you, he's helping you work through it. He's helping you get to the point where it doesn't have dominion over you and you know it. Amen. You're actually walking that out. And help yourself by keeping your mind on things that are pure Good, lovely, good report. Now, I'm, I tease y'all about uh, Magic Mike Triple XXL, but you know, you can't just feed your flesh and watch that stuff all the time. You know, if you, you know, that you got one snapshot of Triple Mike and, and whatever, and take that before the throne and say, God, if you would so bless me as to have a husband that would really look like this, and he's saved. And he's holy, and he don't dress like Caitlyn after. I mean, you know, you got to make your list. You got to make your list right, girls. Don't you know? Don't just have three things on the list. Now we got a laundry list of things you got to pray for. You know, you marry somebody. Of course, it's everybody. Everybody's on the third or fourth. You know, praise God if you can have one time last forever. It is a blessing. Amen. But everybody rewashed, recycled, reprocessed. You know what I'm talking about. Been through the ringer three or four times. This man got about seven kids and now he's a woman. So you got to pray yourself up on stuff like that. You know, you, man for life. Woman for life. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> The the devil's got shenanigans we ain't even heard of yet. You understand what I'm saying? He got lots of tricks up his sleeve for this crazy world that we live in. So you you have to keep your, your heart and your mind, your thoughts pure. God's developing your inner, you pray, inner characteristics for the person that you're looking to marry. You pray for their heart to be pure towards God. You pray for them to be kind. For them to be wise, for them to be teachable. 
you don't want to be married to some hard-head person you got to keep praying the same thing over and over and over for years you know you can have maybe one or two projects like that but we ain't talking about a total work here you know make sure you understand what they need to bring to the table you know when when you pray in between you and god you know keep your standards high for yourself and god will bring somebody like of like precious understanding to you but you live with the inner you don't so much live with the outer man you live with the inner not the outer i wish i could get young women to understand that because many times they look at themselves you know you can tell by the way women start to dress you know they everything trying to look more modern everything's too short too tight too low too something you know and you can see that they're struggling to try and get that worldly image so they can feel comfortable in the world but you're not marrying somebody's not marrying you for your outside and if that's what you think you need to repent and get that out of your brain because god will make you so attractive to somebody but because they're focused on the inner and not so much the outer you understand what i'm saying listen honey if a man is worth anything he'll make enough money to get you fixed up on the outside if that's a real problem Now, I watch me a little botched here and there, and I know them them brothers be shelling out, I love her just the way she is, but if this is going to make her happier. Huh? They make it rain all in the botched office, you know what I'm saying? Come on now. I got to have a drink of water too, Gigi. Okay, all right. <laughs> so <laughs> So even if we don't measure up, our inner man receives hope that we can conform through transformation. So when you go in the word as a born again child of God, spirit-filled child of God, you never come out discouraged and overwhelmed that you can't conform. God always leaves you a hope and encouragement that this process is a process of love. It's a process of him wanting a better life for you, and this is what it takes for that better life. And he's in charge of grooming you. Yeah. Romans 12:1 tells us to not be conformed to this world. Don't do it. Don't do it. You might think it's attractive, but the payoff is is terrible. Well, Romans 12, well, I always get this go to the front when i need to go to the back he says and paul is saying i beseech you in other words i'm pleading with you therefore brethren by the mercies of god present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god which is just reasonable look at what he's done for you you're not missing anything by not being able to get in the flesh for a minute he says and don't be conformed to this world but your alternative, instead of being conformed and spending all your time trying to measure up to worldly standards, he says, be transformed. Conformity is something that is never permanent. 
conformity is never permanent. Why? Because it's just a mind game. These same people that are, are uh, uh, the, the uh, politically correct crowd out here, if somebody with a stronger voice comes along, they're going to be believing something else tomorrow. You got me? Because if they have no inner foundation for holy standards, whatever they're believing is going to change with the wind. So you don't want to be a conformist. You want to be transformed. And then you have the power to transform somebody else. If your transformation comes from the word of God, it's permanent, honey. It is permanent. So he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Meditating on the word. Understanding what you read. Get a relationship with God. Talk to him. Not just asking him for what you want all the time. But talk to him about giving you understanding. Giving you knowledge. Giving you power. Giving you uh, an ability to really know what's going on. Giving you understanding. You can help other people when you understand things. How about that for a change? Instead of wanting so much for you, get something that you can give to somebody else. You all set, pumpkin? You need it? Okay. All right. Praise God. Now, unless you were looking for another $100 bill to put in the offering, huh? Don't be going in that person like that no more. You wanted to pin, right? I figured you did, darling. See, taking notes. It's good. <laughs> be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Why? So you can prove what's good and acceptable. This is so you can walk it out in your life. So you can do the right thing at all times. So you can be appropriate for God. So that you can know what to say to people and how to say it. And all that kind of good stuff that we as Christians value so highly. You can know all those things. So that's why the transformation. Remember that life that we walked away from? Transforming keeps you from repeating that stuff. And continually making excuses for it. Well, you know, that's not so bad. And God, he understands. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to be understood all the time. You can be obedient. And live by faith. And have confidence. You know that God is with you and he approves of what you do. Not just when you tell somebody about the gospel or or share Christ with somebody. But that he approves of you the way you handle your paycheck. The way you handle your checkbook. The way you handle people, the way you you conduct your life on a day-to-day basis, your everyday waking, living, and breathing, that he approves of that. That's what I'm talking about. Having that desire on the inside of you to please God at all times and not cover up what you, you know, think you don't do right yet. So let yourself work on those things and God work on those with you. He says that we may prove what is the good, acceptable And perfect will of God. In other words, you want to be in the will of God at all times. There are some times when some things you'll do, they're they're just on a basic good level. And some things you'll excel in. You want to do all of it. Amen. And be capable. It only happens with a transformed mind. Amen. Only happens with a transformed mind. You have to want your mind to be different. You got to want yourself to think differently. Not just... You know, have God come in an emergency and pay your bills for you and, and help you get along in life. 
but you want to have a peace within you where you have mental fellowship with God. Where you fellowship in his mind and get his understanding. That's where he converses with us in our inner man's thought life. So you can you can think God thoughts and say, God, I really enjoyed that when you did so and so and such and such. And I, I really want to do more of that for you. You know, help me to, to get myself in a position where I'm capable, I'm qualified, I can do more for you. I want to be more peaceful when certain things come up, you know. Uh, myself, I want to be peaceful about the conferences and, and the work getting done. And, you know, every every year somebody comes up with something, you know, that you didn't plan for. And so I want to be able to just ride through those without stopping or thinking or having to make emergency plans. I'm getting much better at it, but I want to get better still. Amen. I want to do things with excellence at the meeting so that everybody's, you know, it used to make me so nervous when in you guys, I never complained to people. I just keep it between me and God. But it seemed like every time we would have a meal, somebody was angry about their food. And it kept me upset. I can remember nights. I never slept throughout almost the whole conference for one or two hours. Well, God, they don't like this. How am I going to change this? You want to know what I say now? Y'all grow and go feed yourself. You understand what I'm saying? If, 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 we can't, if we can't struggle a little bit to feed 80 people, at that time it was 80 to 60 people. If we can't struggle a little bit and make that right for you, you don't trust us to that level, you treat us like we're enemies and we're after you or something, that's your problem. Huh? You go, you get that right with God. Nobody ever starved yet during a conference. Huh? When it comes time to clean up, we can't find you. But when it comes time for food, everybody's right there. So don't mess with me, okay? I'm grown now. Huh? And it seemed all everybody wanted to talk to me personally, and God told me, you stop that. Huh? He said, they're not to come to you. You're there to preach. You're not there to hear their complaints. And he said, I want all of them to stop complaining to you. Because these things are not emergencies. If you miss lunch, dinner's coming. If you miss dinner, you go find somebody to run you to the store and get you something else. Something that's not putting up with this nonsense. Not what we're there for. Not there to cater to somebody. You don't feed yourself as well as you get fed at the conference. And I'm a witness. <laughs> so don't mess with me. I'm grown, okay? <laughs> you know, you have to get it down to what's important. That kind of nonsense isn't important. You know, in the room. The room ain't clean. Yours ain't at home. You left a nasty room when you left your house, and I know that. So you got all the comforts of home. And some of y'all still don't like it. No? We stay where we can make it affordable for everybody. No. <laughs> all these exclusive people all of a sudden. 
I should do that one time. I said, take a picture of your room before you come to the conference. <laughs> we'll put it on Facebook. Show everybody where you left. And now this room ain't clean enough for you. They got clean sheets, clean bed, everything in there. No. <laughs> or maybe you want the $200 a night hotel down the street. You know, people are such hypocrites sometimes, especially Christians. I have to say that. Because we can put on such airs about things. All these ungodly attitudes for nothing. Pretending like you're, you're used to the finest of everything and it has to be just so. You know, and let, don't clean, don't never, ain't never uh, dusted your room or anything like that. Get to the hotel and all of a sudden you got to have everything laid out just so. Hypocrite. Pharisee. Won't be unto you. So I don't want to hear about it. You know, we hear none of that nonsense. That's not what we're there for. We're there to get the word, glorify God, so the devil don't kill you the next six months between the next conference. You understand me? So let's get real here. All right? Have an end to this nonsense. Praise God. Amen. So what should our attitude be? We, we did Romans 12. We're being transformed inwardly. Your values have to come up higher in God. What we value, what we treasure, what we hold dear, what we focus on, all that has to come up to a level, a spiritual level, and not be on a carnal level anymore. We, we shouldn't be trying to be so popular with everybody. and You know, all of this nonsense. We want to stand out. We want to have a name and all that. Well, the Bible says he made Abraham's name great. You want to do what Abraham had to do? You know, if you was 100 years old and still having babies, your name would be great too. Most people can't wait till they're 20 to, to you know... Reproduce, And I'm not going there. That ain't what I'm here for today. Unless I have to. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But he's very concerned about the inner. You know where? Because that's where your life is. And that's where your contentment is. Cultivating the garden within you. That's where you're going to be most content. And God knows it. And he's not going to compromise with us. Give us a lot of material things. You know, like you do, you get one of them kids that knows how to work your nerve. <laughs> you start giving them, start shelling out. You'll never shell out enough to make that kid happy. So just stop it and start, you know, focusing on the inner. You know, does your child respect your rules, your regulations? Is your child understanding that you have their best interest at heart even if it hurts their feelings? You got me? These things have to be done because that's what God does with us. And give you everything you ask for just to shut you up. Huh? Praise God. He's a good father. He's a good heavenly father. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So, Jesus also in Ephesians 5.26, Jesus is also our groom. You know what a groom does? He fixes you up. Makes you dress right, act right, talk right. 
And a lot of times you don't even know that's what they're doing. Huh? You know, I, I realized my husband was a, a corporate person. You know, they, they all phony. You understand what you got to go in there and play the game. You want the paycheck. Y'all understand what I'm saying? It's not about anything more serious than that. But that's what you do. You conform. You go along with it. You help that person out because it's important to him. And I don't want to be the, the fly in his ointment. Well, I ain't doing nothing because he thinks he is bossing me. No, we know you're talking Now, if you're offended by everything and don't want to help the brother out, just stay single. You know what I'm saying? You know what you're really going to do. Just stay where you at. You know, you're fine. We, you know, <laughs> whatever. You go to singles conferences all your life, whatever. I don't even know what Or you can be a respectful person. See yourself and that person as one flesh. What's important to him must be important to you. If you're going to make sacrifices, make it for him. Not for Pete, repeat, three Pete, and four Pete all the time. Husband and wife, you agree on what sacrifices are to be made for the children, but wife, you don't usurp his authority and do everything for them kids and neglect him. But, you know, they'll, they'll say things like, you know, if you're going out, you know, you got a little company function, you know, you buy the right dress. And you should know the right dress because you get cues from them. Huh? Oh, baby, I like that. Or if they don't say anything, you know that's a no. And don't go poking at them trying to get them to say something mean to you so you can get mad and not go. So you can really embarrass him. Ah, see, I let him go by himself this time. See how he like that. That's just witchy. Don't do that. Burn that broom. You jump over the broom to get in the house and burn it after you jump it. <laughs> huh? Don't be like that. But Jesus washes us with the water of the word. He grooms us. We just rough cuts. We need a little refinement. So we get washed with the water of the word. And get it in our hearts so we can conform from our hearts and be transformed. So we come out of our sessions in the mirror refreshed, cleansed, and encouraged. If my husband gave me a compliment on something I wore, I was refreshed, refreshed, cleansed, and encouraged. Once they give you a compliment, don't keep asking them over and over again what they think. Jeez, just looking for trouble. Man, you passed inspection, so just go He said pass. So keep, keep it moving. Once you get accustomed to that cleansing and encouragement in the word, you feel a little disconnected when you don't get in the word. Huh? You should. So you, you crave to be in there more. 
You know, my husband gave me a compliment. You know, we had a little time before we went out. And he said, come here, let me look at you. Try to suck them in and, you know, suck everything in. And you can do the little teeny cat walk and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, don't make a big production of it, you know. But still a little teeny cat walk. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it's all good, you know. And you, but you want to stay in that place of feeling good about yourself in somebody's eyes that you care about. Then that's the way we feel about the word. Mm, snap out of it. Don't be suspicious as to what God's looking for in you to get you in the word. You got me? Don't go fishing for a flaw in yourself. Your husband gives you a compliment. You say, whew, I passed that one. He didn't see such and such and so and so. But, you know, we keep it rolling. And you appreciate it and you move on. You don't stay there and try to nitpick. Are you sure, God? Are you sure you like this about me? And like he told you already, you're all right. Amen. And leave whatever is not right up to him to fix it in due season. If it needs fixing. Learn how to take a compliment and keep it moving. Amen. Most of the time I knew my my hips were always big you know what i'm saying you you know your flaws and your what you think are flaws but in the eye of somebody who really loves you you're perfect huh you perfect huh you know they'll say stuff like now baby you know i like all that i don't like don't be complaining about that right there that's the way god does us are y'all awake or what are you up there doing back in there you better say something to me I'm not going through all this inventory of, you know, what your man said about you and all. I can't go through all that no more. I'm grown. Jeez. I know if y'all sleep, Presbyterian on me, or what's wrong up here. But y'all get it together now. Talk back to me and let me know we all right. Amen. And if that's not your experience, pray that it will be. So you, you know, I'm trying to get y'all prepared for it so you don't mess it up. You in there too, ain't you, little Howard? You know what to say, don't you? That's right. He had a hollabalooza back there. (laughs) So when we go into the word, we have to have, we need to have this attitude. I want to look like Jesus. I'm excited to get into the word and take on his image. Instead of dreading reading your Bible, you're not just reading your Bible. You're looking into the mirror. I want to know what I must do to please God and be more like Jesus because he has made me capable of doing everything I need to do. I want to have confidence that I can do what God has ordained for me to do. That's why you go into the word. God makes me able to do all things through him. He'll give me strength to do it. And I will not be afraid to look into the mirror, no matter how bad I think I've been. James 1.23 gives you instruction for how to safeguard that you can accomplish these things. He says, <clears throat> when you look into the mirror, I'm going to go there, James one. 
23 tells us in 21 to lay apart all filthiness and, and excessive naughtiness. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. With meekness. Not fighting it. Not arguing with it. Not making excuses. Well, God, I would do that, but you understand what I'm saying? Don't do that. Receive it with meekness. Because even if it hits against something inside of you that doesn't like it, God will cause that thing to change. He'll cause that thing to cave in so you can receive the word. And it says it's able to save your souls. huh? Give you peace of mind. Give you understanding. Give you comfort. He says, but do this for me. He said, be doers and not just hearers. Don't sit up and hear the word and say, yeah, you're right. I should be doing that and go on and do what you're doing. He said, be doers and not hearers only because that's how you deceive yourselves. You think you can sit up and hear the word and not do it and be right with God. You're wrong. So he said, get up and do what you read. Uh, Don't just be a hearer. You're capable of doing the word. That's them the churches we came back from. We've been we've been in churches where we weren't saved and knew we couldn't do it because they didn't tell us how to be saved or empower us to do it. You're empowered now, so get up and do the word. You know, some of the greatest prayers are the simplest ones. I was thinking of I say if everybody prayed the Lord's Prayer once a day, you'd be straight. Especially for them people that keep sinning after they're saved. You pray lead us not into temptation every day and God will help you with that. Instead of letting your sin follow you around everywhere. God will help you with these things. That's what he's there for. He says, be doers and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anybody be a hearer of the word, not a doer. Everybody's looking for an excuse not to do something. You know, finish work, grace, all that kind of stuff just lulls you into a false sense of security because you're not looking for transformation. Amen. And you're not looking to change any. You think you're okay like you are. Legally you are. Just like if you get symptoms in your body, you're healed anyway. But the reality of it is very different. You got me? So you've got some faith things to do to get there. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to work some things out. Working out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's still got to be done. You don't get a blanket permission to do anything from God. This is a relationship. Huh? It's like you get married and your husband tells you, you know, baby, I wish you would do that. Well, I know I'm okay because we married. I don't have to do anything. You married me already. Huh? That's what Christians look for when they want a blanket permission not to have to confess their sins or ask forgiveness or apologize to people or anything like that. They want to be above the day-to-day working out your salvation. You've got to work this thing out with fear and trembling. You can't assume that you're okay with God all the time. If he doesn't give you peace about that on a regular, then you've got to go to him and get that thing straightened out. Everybody's looking for a quick and easy way of being an instant, perfect Christian. There is no such thing. There is no such thing. 
And if you try that, you miss everything that's important, and that's your relationship with him. I'd rather make 15 mistakes a day and have to go to him and apologize because at least I have time with God. At least I'm in the presence of God. I can get a reassured that he loves me and I'm forgiven and I'm standing in his righteousness. I can have that. I'd rather have that and relationship than to just be a perfect Christian and think you got to sail through everything. You never need to talk to God about you anymore. That's where people really hate themselves and don't know how to ask God to help them not to hate themselves anymore. I'm looking for an easy way out of your, your misery. Huh? If you weren't a Christian, you'd be a drug addict probably. Because you can't face yourself. You should be able to face yourself. That's why you need to get in the mirror of the word every day. Not looking for something to give a scripture to somebody else all the time. Not looking to be a bootleg minister. On Facebook. You know, that's where all the bootleg ministry is. You know what I'm saying? Yes. People do that stuff. Well, they think they fool. And they ain't fooling nobody, huh? Not fooling a soul. You know, you don't need to post but one thing on there a day. You know what I'm saying? Let your people hear about from you and all that kind of stuff, and keep it moving, huh? You got 15 scriptures and 25 prophecies and all of that kind of stuff. Go get you a job. That ain't your job, man. As you trying to make people think you're more than what you are. You don't like who you are. So you just need to check in with God. Check yourself in before you wreck yourself. Because that's what's coming if you keep playing them games. God's not fooled and he's not mocked. 2 Corinthians 3.18 It says, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed. Every time you get in the word, you're changed. You behold the glory of God when you open this Bible. It's not just you got to read your word. It's not a religious mandatory thing. This is something that's alive. It's an alive operation of God on your spirit man. And it will bring your soul into a place of contentment with God. You know, like when you quote unquote read your scriptures for the day or read your word for the day, you get a sense of relief and contentment. And it's not just the pressures off because you got your reading done. That's God really reassuring you that you've received what he had for you and it's going to do a work in you. There's a real living relationship reassurance in that. And stay in your word. I know many of us have drifted away from continual or daily word reading. Everybody's got an excuse. Don't have enough time. Turn off that Caitlin and whoever she is now. Bruce, Kate, whatever she is. Turn that off and, and you know, get in the word. And I'm not going to tell you just so many minutes a day. You stay in there till God says you're done. 
cut this nonsense out. It just takes a little bit of time. Why? Why would you want to take a little bit of time? Jesus hung on that cross for you until the job was done, folks. No little bit of time here. So we are beholding the glory of God. Man, 318 is in a glass and we are changed into the same image. What you see on that page is what you become from glory to glory. Every time you go in there, there's a deposit in you. There's a washing in you. There's a change in you. You may not feel it or perceive it, but take it by faith. God, I thank you for changing me from this encounter that we've had in the mirror today. Huh? I'm in your mirror, Lord. How do I... Comb my hair, fix my makeup, shape myself. How do I? No, you don't do that. You just look and you're transformed. No work on your part. Just accept it by faith. So we are beholding the glory of the Lord and by it are transformed. Every time you're in the word. Every time you look in the word. You're transformed into the same image you see from one transformation to the next. And it never stops. God writes his word on our hearts so we can take it with us to lead us and guide us. And you can reflect on God's direction in your life anytime you want to. Just go within and listen to the word. It's our personal mirror. So you need to understand what your mirror, what the mirror of the word is telling you about you. What's it tell you about you? Number one, it tells you who you are. Tells you what you're doing here, what your purpose is. It tells you how to accomplish God's word in your life. Tells you what the payoff is if you obey the word of God. So there's full disclosure in God's word. When you answer that first question, who you are, everything else falls into place. Your identity never changes because of what you do. I'm going to say it again. Your identity never changes because of what you do. What the word says you are is who you are. Now if you walk away from that and you don't do the word, then you're open for the devil to change your perception of who you are. Then change who you are, but your perception of it can change. You can feel disinherited. You can feel not like God is going to do that for you. You can feel uh, not capable of doing what God expects you to do. You can feel there's no hope for your situation. You can feel all of those things. But that doesn't change what God says about who you are. So that's why we go to the word every day to get a refreshing in our identity. Get refreshed in what we can expect from God. Get it refreshed in our uh, anticipation, in our expectation in God. This is what you need. You don't need you don't need outer circumstances to change so you can be happy. You need to find out from God who you are and what you need from day to day. That's all you need. You're no different than anybody else that's ever said yes to Jesus. You're no different. You can do everything that God expects you to do. So he writes his word on our hearts so that we don't forget it. We go away. We do the word 
If you need correction, it's already in there because you've checked in, you know who you are. But that basic identity of who I am is in everything falls into place. Wow. David knew he was different from the uncircumcised Philistine. He said, who is this? He said, I'm a child of God. You're all children of God. Who is this guy to think he can defy everybody here? Are you kidding me? Who is he? Huh? That's righteous indignation. Huh? That's calling the devil to task. And see, when, when your identity is locked in like that, you won't let the devil run over you. Your thought won't be to compromise with the giants in your life. Your thought will be to defy them, to stand on the word and say, who are you that you can defy the armies of the living God? Once you answer that identity and it sticks, and the devil, this is his, his job, is to try to get you to come down from your God-given identity into something less. He wants you to devalue yourself in your own eyes. It's what you think about you that's important. That's why we preach to you young people, don't run around having sex with people. As many as you sleep with, you are devaluing yourself in your own eyes. And God will have to give that back to you, but come on, just don't, don't go through the door to begin with. Because it's a hard road back up to get, get that understanding of your personal cleanliness in the sexual area. You know, your mind is full of images all the time. And so little by little, you, you anticipate God to do less for you with the person you marry. You wind up with an unbeliever. You wind up with somebody a beater or, and just laugh and make excuses for them, you know. I mean, if that hurts your feelings, I'm real so nice. Sorry for it. You just, how are we doing over there, little Howard? Oh, 20 minutes. My goodness. I can't. But you understand what I'm saying. Don't go there to start out with. You know, some things are left better left not done. You know, pretty soon it's one, two, three, four, five. And you're so rejected by that time. Your head's so messed up. You don't care who you get as long as you can find somebody so you quit feeling like nobody wants you. And selling yourself to the lowest bidder is not going to take that feeling away from you. It's going to make it worse. You go to God with these things. Stay with God. You know, don't start selling yourself off to somebody look at you and you want to follow them around you know it's just nonsense and men will do it I've seen them do it when I see some of these you know I don't see it often I see some guys young guys that I know working women like that I say you stop that that ain't funny leave her alone drag her down just because you think you can does that make you feel important? that make you feel like Jesus? Stop doing it. And stop digging in the garbage can for your future. You know what I'm saying? Now, you don't, you're not a bottom feeder when you belong to God. You don't scrape the bottom of the barrel for somebody that just gives you a little bit of attention. You follow them everywhere, just waiting, hanging on their every word. What's wrong with you? That's not who you are. 
leave that whole show alone. If God doesn't show you somebody and, and help you to understand what he's doing and start leading you and guiding you, just leave the whole thing alone. So we are new creatures. Second Corinthians 5.17. You don't have a past in God. But you've got to start living like a Christian. If you want to prove you don't have a past, you start living for God like you're supposed to. It says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. We know it by heart. Old things are passed away. You're not that person. Quit acting like it. Quit doing it. And quit. the best way you can prove you're a new creature is quit doing what the old man told you to do. Just quit doing it. God will help you quit. He won't help you keep doing that stuff. And then come back and say, God, understand. He don't understand that kind of stuff. Huh? He already told you how he feels about it. Number two, you are forgiven of all wrong. Romans 5.11 says we have received the atonement. You've received the atonement. You've received forgiveness of sins until you sin again. Then you repent and ask forgiveness again and God will help you straighten up. The reason people have failure in this area because they don't expect God to help them not do it anymore. They just want to pass. You're forgiven. Go do it again if you want to. I'll forgive you again. That's not atonement. Man. If you keep doing it, you need to go someplace else with God. Go to a new place with him. God, you got to help me. I don't like myself because I keep Making the same mistake over and over and over again. And I know your word makes provision for that new creation person to not do these things. Continue to feel bad. Sometimes we need to cut ourselves a little slack. And know once we we confess our sins, we are forgiven and cleansed. If you don't know you're cleansed, you stay there with God until you know you're cleansed. Until it's all gone. There's no more guilt. There's no more fear. There's no more wanting to beat yourself up anymore. You're cleansed. God I don't know what it means to be cleansed like that. Show me and he'll show you. He doesn't want us to walk around pretending like we know we've received the atonement. He wants it to be real to us. So when these are real experiences to us. And you won't, you know it you'll be free. You won't be afraid of stepping out and making a mistake. You won't be afraid of, of making errors. You, your faith confidence will let you know that you're on the right road and that God will help you to stay away from that. And if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. Amen. This is a life of going forward in God, you know, and doing the best you can. And he understands that you're working for him and you're, you're doing the best you can. And when you fall, you have an advocate. You're not utterly cast down. He doesn't step on you because you make a mistake. But you've got to be honest and confess it. You can't walk around with that stuff on your soul. If it's never confessed, it's still on your soul. I don't know who you think you're fooling, but it's still there. So let's just get with the program. Huh? You know, if people don't fail because of, of complex things, they fail because of the simple things. You get sloppy with the simple things. And so you want to be diligent in your relationship with God. 
Number two, I mean, number three, I am a member of God's family. I am his child. I am his heir. I have a secure present and future because I have an inheritance. You inherit all things that pertain to life and godliness. So you have an inheritance in godliness. You know what that means? You get more godly, more godly, and more godly every day you live if you stay with God and stay in the word. Amen. You get more secure in your godliness. And it's a wonderful thing. You have a secure present and future because of this inheritance. You have the spirit of adoption. You know you're God's child because of that spirit. Romans 8.15 The Holy Spirit tells you you're adopted. He shows you them papers in the spirit. God voluntarily chose you, not because you were so pitiful and limp, but he chose you from the foundation of the earth. Before you did anything wrong, he chose you already. And he's happy with his choice. He doesn't want to throw you back. He's happy with his choice. So you have a secure present and a secure future because of your inheritance. You're already written in the will. That's why when you pick up that Bible, it speaks to you personally. You're already in the will. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can't be righteous in sin, on unforgiveness, hating people on the inside, bitterness, being jealous of people. None of that stuff. That ain't righteous. Got news for you. That's why the, in the epistles it looks a little redundant. You says they'll say, "Stay away from this, this, this," and keep repeating what sinful behavior was because they know Christians have a tendency to think they're cool, doing wrong stuff. Nobody ever backslides trying to do right. You don't. The people backslide because they get comfortable and start doing wrong. Because they cease doing right. You know, a sin consciousness is not a problem. It's really been overworked as far as mature people are concerned. They think they're mature because they're not sin conscious. I want to be right. They don't even know what the two terms mean. They just keep repeating them because somebody else said them. So in Second Corinthians 5.21 tells you you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So stay, keep short accounts with God. You know when I say short accounts? You sin, get it right. I was listening to Brother Copeland. He's never ceased doing this over the years. He'll talk about the times when he'll go to God and ask him for something. God said, uh-uh, don't, you, you remember you, you're not right before me. You did so and so. You got mad at somebody, a grocer or somebody that shorted you on something. You still mad at him. It's, this, that's a good preacher, folks. That always is honest with you in the basics and doesn't try to move you up to something that you, that doesn't exist in God. John 1.12, we are sons of God. You are a legitimate, born, again, son of God. You have his spirit in you. You have his word in you. To give the spirit direction, give the spirit confidence. 
I am in a friendship covenant with God. John 15, 15. You're friends with God. That means there's peace between you. He's not upset to see you in the throne room again. He's not worn out with your request and with your mistakes and with your shortcuts. He's not worn out with you. He's your friend. Amen. Which means he won't leave you. He won't forsake you. If you've got trouble, he wants to know about it. He wants to be the first to know about it. Because he knows already. But he must hear it from you in order to help you. You're a holy minister of a chosen generation. You minister holy things. Not trash. And not trying to be cool all the time. Cool gets more people in trouble. Uh My dad used to tell us a story when he was a young man. Young boy actually was still living at home. And he, he wanted a pair of shoes really badly. Because they were cool. He didn't use that term. But you know it was whatever the term they used back in the day. And so he put the shoes on. He bought them and they were too small. And he said every time he would step forward, his his toes would go to the toe of the shoe and he would just, ah, one of them too small. And so he, he was thinking about taking them off, but he was walking home and there was a bunch of girls up ahead of him. And so he wanted to, you know, Kimball on past, a pimp past him or something like that. And he said his feet hurt so bad. He said, but if I turned around and walked backwards, he could <laughs> He walked backwards and snapped his fingers like he was just, you know, moonwalking or something past the girls. Cool will hurt you, okay? So I want to tell you, trying to be cool, it'll put a big hurting on you. Amen? Will hurt you bad. So we're a chosen generation and holy ministers. Don't ever be ashamed of being holy. Don't ever be ashamed of holiness. Whatever you think holiness is, God will help you to refine it. But don't ever try and be worldly just to to look cool or be acceptable. No. Get your little pants. I see the girls wearing these little tights with, you know, shirts that are too short. You know, it's, that's almost like not having clothes on except for the cover color of them. But, you know, that's what the world wears. But you don't wear that. You know, they look cute and all that, but after a while, men get bored seeing everybody's rear end. And you know what I'm saying. You know, or them little cut-out jeans with the holes in them. And you know what I'm saying? Nah, this sister got cellulite up in there somewhere. We ain't going to be looking at no cottage cheese around here. See, we think we look good. And Bible says you deceive yourself. Huh? I won't see your cottage cheese. I, I left. I put a skirt on so I don't look at mine. <laughs> Spare me. But you know, as your pastor, my heart grieves because I see your struggle. Amen. You're struggling to look what you think looks good on the outside, and you're not. It diverts your attention from the inside. So cut it out. Just let God help you on the inside, huh? Your outside will be okay. Trust me. But don't try to, you know what I'm saying. Don't, don't give in to the world like that. Don't do that. Amen. 
You don't have to. Y'all scared you're going to have to look like me. You don't have to look like me. Just be you. Do you, do, do, do you, but do it holy. You do you, but do you holy. Amen. We're justified by faith. Romans 5.1. Justified means that there has been a verdict rendered in your favor. It's the, the gavel has come down on that. So it is not up for debate anymore. It's not up for question anymore. You are justified by your faith. You're Christ's ambassador. 2 Corinthians 5.20. You speak for him. You act for him. He sent you and he sent you on purpose. He didn't make a mistake making you his ambassador. You're God's temple. 1 Corinthians 3.16. The adornment of the temple was quite a production in the nation of Israel. All the finest of everything. Not the most expensive, the finest. There's a difference. Cost is what man values it at. Expense is what God considers it to be. Amen? Or value is what God considers it to be. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139.14 That means that there are things about you you can't figure out. Huh? Things that work in your spirit that you don't even understand. Things that God can help you to call up from your spirit that you don't understand. You don't know how that got in there. But when it came to you, it helped you. So this is what fearfully and wonderfully made. The body is able to repair itself from injury. You're able to receive the word of God to receive supernatural health and healing. So you're fearfully and wonderfully made. 1 Peter 2.5 says we are living stones. You're being built as a spiritual house. So you're a part of a much larger body of believers worldwide. You're a part of something great. You're a part of something strong and important in the earth. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says that you are anxious about nothing. You have peace and great composure because you have a covenant with God. Anything that comes your way, God will equip you to handle it or he will take care of it himself. Many of the giants in my life, they just were no more after a while. I used to worry about them, but I decided "Mm -mm, I'm going to work harder to get my peace from God. And pray, amen, and let him have these things. Colossians 1.13, you are already delivered from the power of darkness. The atonement did that for you. Now you can let the devil play in your head if you want to, but he has no power. Darkness has no power. You don't have to do things, cut corners, make excuses. You don't have to do that. You can live upright before God. I don't care who you're afraid of telling the truth to. Just don't have to be afraid of those things anymore. We're redeemed from the devil's power. Galatians 3.13 I think it is.
And you're redeemed from the curse of the broken law. There's no penalty anymore when you confess your sin. Romans 8.17, you're an heir. We said that already. Joint heir with Christ. He partners with you so that you can receive your inheritance for real and you don't miss it. I'm going to say it again. He partners with you so that you can really receive your inheritance and you don't miss it. He helps you. The Bible says in order for a will to be in force, there must of necessity be the death of the testator. In other words, the one who's leaving you the money has died or there's no will in force. Well, Jesus did that. And left us to be heir of all things, but he raised up from the dead again. And he dwells in us to help us carry out the instructions to the T so we can receive our full inheritance. So you have no excuse for leaving anything on the table that God ordained for your life. He lives for that purpose, to help us to receive our inheritance. And make intercession for us. To help our weaknesses. So that we're not without somebody, a coach. You know, all these people want to be life coaches and they don't even have a life. Most of them. They got a screwed up life. They got a crazy life. You got a life you don't want. The Holy Spirit is your life coach. He teaches us all things. He gives us all knowledge. We have an unction from the Holy Spirit and we know all things. You ever get content about not, um, say that you're not nervous about going into a situation unprepared. You just go by faith. That's that unction where you know all things. You're confident. If I don't know it, the answer's going to come. God sent me here and he's going to help me. Hmm? You're not nervous around certain kinds of people. You know, I can remember a time when, when my husband's business friends made me a little uncomfortable. I wasn't saved then. After I got saved, I got grown real quick. Uh-huh. Even as a sinner, you can grow up and let those things not bug you to a minute, but uh, to a, a degree. But in Christ, you're more confident with the knowing inside that God's going to handle everything. In Jeremiah 29:11, we know that we have a hope in God. For an expected good outcome. You're not in dread and in fear. You know, sometimes you can be a little insecure, uh, say if you start a new job or something like that. You're in new surroundings. You might be a little nervous or a little insecure. Don't get it to be fear and dread, okay? <clears throat> Go to God with those. And as you get experience, experience will give you hope for more confidence in the future. And you grow to the point where you can rely on God from day to day to help you. Now, if you get so confident you think you don't need God to help you with your job, you need to get back on your knees again. Don't ever get that self-sufficient. Don't ever get that confident about anything in your life where you think you know it all and you, you can do it all without God's leading, you know. Just getting that little arrogant posture where you start parading yourself around and all that kind of stuff. Don't go there. But stay humble to God because you, your life is so enhanced to be trusting him on an individual day-to-day basis. 
So what's a mirror telling you? You know, what's your mirror telling you? Is it telling you that you can trust and rely on God? Is it telling you you have a secure identity as a child of God and you know fully what that means? Nobody knows fully what that means, so you have to explore it from day to day. Understanding as you walk hand in hand with God and meditate on his word that he has success for you. He is overcoming power for you. He will save you, deliver you, help you, give you that contentment in life that you need so that you can face each day in confidence and expectation of good. That's what he wants for us. He doesn't want any bad days. He doesn't want any doubting days. Trust him to make your plans for you. You don't have to try to figure out how to make a living. Your living's already figured out by God. Huh? He's already got all of that figured out and set for you. Robbing Peter to pay Paul. Huh? Peter needs some money sometime too. You understand what I'm saying? We need to stop those things because God always has a better plan for us. You don't have to rob anybody to pay your bills. You're really robbing yourself of the confidence that God wants to give you and the assurance he wants to give you. Learn how to be a giver. Not always scared about not having enough for yourself. Amen. Shed that old identity. Allow God to bring us into a place of contentment where we know that we know that we know that we know that as we look into that mirror, we find something good. We find something pleasing to God and we expect it to get better and better and better every day. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity. To be in your throne room of grace. Find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. And there is never a time that we don't need you, Lord. We thank you. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. And we're going to stay in that mirror, Lord. And there's no, this is not a mirror of vanity. This is a mirror of hope, true identity, encouragement in you. It's a mirror of answers in you. So we thank you, Father, for the holy answers that you give us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And praise God, amen. All right, if anybody needs prayer.